I enjoyed praising with you and hearing the testimonies and everything last week, even though I was doing it digitally online um, because Bethany was was sick. Actually, she still is a little bit sick. Um, it, we thought it was, was COVID. The doctor said you have every single symptom, and but the test came back negative. So, uh, so I, apparently that's not what she's had, but she's about 16 days into this whatever cough and sore throat stuff. So if you still want to pray for her, she's still, she's a lot better than she was a week ago. But, but last week, just to be safe, it was like, eh, better not go around people because we didn't know what it was yet or wasn't. Um, but we, I, I just really enjoyed taking time to praise. And uh, we remember, we need to remember to do that, especially since we're living in a country and culture and time where you don't hear a whole lot of praise um, on the news and on TV and on social media. It's just important to do that. So we're going to do that again. I think we're going to make that a, a regular rhythm as we go through this year um, of stopping every once in a while and just spending some time praising and giving testimony as to what good God things are happening around us. So uh, this week, though, we're back to Romans, and we're going to be at Romans chapter 5, if you want to have your Bible and read along. Otherwise, it'll be on the screen back there. But when we were in Romans two weeks ago, we talked about faith. We talked about the faith of Abraham, that salvation is based on faith alone, um, that Abraham's righteousness was counted to him um, because of his faith. And so today, we're picking up in Romans Chapter 5. And it says, Therefore, since we've been justified through faith. Now, justified uh, is sort of a legal term. It's sort of a, a term that is used in Christian circles a good bit. Um, one of the best ways that I've, I've heard to understand the word justified is it just means that you, when you've been justified by Jesus, it's just as if you've never sinned. So when you're justified, it means that God's canceled your debt, that he's erased sin in your life, um, that you, it's, he made it just as if you had never sinned. So he says, therefore, since we've been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we've gained access by faith into his grace in which we now stand. And we boast in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, character, and character, hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. You see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since we have now been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? For if while we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son, 
how much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? Not only is this so, but we also boast in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. Therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man, and death through sin, and in this way death came to all people, because all sinned, to be sure, sin was in the world before the law was given, but sin is not charged against anyone's account where there's no law. And it's, it, it's interesting, as a side note, we'll kind of track this as we go, but the, the language that he uses there of, of being held uh, or sin not being charged to anybody's account, it sets up this sort of idea of thinking of sin and, and death from a, almost sort of a financial monetary standpoint that that sin is something that you do and then you're fined for. Whereas salvation is a gift. It's not something that you earn. That's what we read two weeks ago. That It's a gift that is given. So, so sin and living according to the law, that's something you pay for, whereas salvation is a gift. And we'll get into that a lot more next week where, when we get to Romans chapter 6 and verse 23, the wages, money of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. Going back to verse 14. Nevertheless, death reigned from the time of Adam to the time of Moses, even over those who did not sin by breaking a command, as did Adam, who is a pattern of the one to come. But the gift is not like the trespass. For if the many died because or died by the trespass of the one man, how much more did God's grace and the gift that came by the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, overflow to the many? Nor can the gift of God be compared with the result of one man's sin. The judgment followed one sin and brought condemnation. But the gift followed many trespasses and brought justification. For if by the trespass of the one man death reigned through that one man, how much more will those who receive God's abundant provision of grace and the gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ? Consequently, just as one trespass resulted in condemnation for all people, so also one righteous act resulted in the justification and life for all people. For just as through the disobedience of the one man, many were made sinners, through also the obedience of the one man, the many will be made righteous. The law was brought in so that the trespass might increase. But where sin increased, grace increased all the more. So that just as sin reigned in death, so also grace might reign through the righteousness to bring eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Sin and salvation, death and life, Adam and Jesus, the price and the gift. Starting in chapter five, and then for the next three chapters, Paul's gonna talk a lot about the two-sided reality of the Christian life. That it, there's a balancing act going on here. 
that we're made complete in Jesus, we're saved, we're God's child, we're made whole, we're made holy. But on the other hand, we're still growing in him. We're still pursuing holiness, that we still struggle with sin, that we have the status of kings, and yet we are to be slaves of Christ. We have the presence of Christ, the presence of the Holy Spirit with us, but we also have the presence of sin and the struggle and problems of temptation. We have the peace of God because we've been justified through faith. But we still have problems and hard times that keep us growing and and keep us relying on Christ. And we all know if we've been a Christian very long, if we've been trying to follow Jesus very long, we all know that that tension is tough. That a lot of times in life, It's hard to find your balance. But Paul is writing this letter to this church in Rome to help them find balance living in an unstable world and help them to find balance as a church. Those new Christians, they were living in an unstable world because there were Jews that didn't like them and wanted to kill them. There were Romans that didn't like them and wanted to kill them. They were moving all around to try to get away from persecution. They were trying to to find this new way of living for Jesus in a culture that was anything but Christian and then trying to figure out what following Jesus looks like. So you have these people these Christians living in an unstable time in an unstable for them world. And then on top of that, they're trying to find balance as a church because you have Jew and Gentile. You have the law and their freedom in Christ. You have living the old life like before they had met Christ and then living a new life in Christ and trying to follow Jesus. And so they're trying to find balance in their world. And they're trying to find balance in the church. And I I think we can understand that. Our circumstances might not be necessarily the same, but the similar feeling of trying to find balance and stability in our unstable world and trying to find a, a good balance even in the church. Right now we're living in an unstable world and, and even on personal levels, I think about everybody in the country today senses that the country and the culture and the community that our day-to-day lives feel a little bit more unstable than they did about eight months ago. That life is maybe a little bit more unstable for most of us than it was when we were going into December of 2019. And even on these personal levels, I think just about everyone is just trying to figure out what's going on. That each one of us are struggling to find this sense of balance. 
I think that on, on very personal levels, for many people in our world today, people around us are struggling with a lack of hope and a lack of confidence. And, and you can see that. One of, one of the, the saddest side effects of all this COVID thing it has nothing to do with sickness or symptoms. It, it has to do with the depression rate that's skyrocketing. And and the the drug use that is skyrocketing and and the suicide that is skyrocketing because people don't have hope they're struggling so much to find balance so we want to talk about that a little bit today and really i just want to focus in mostly on the first five verses of chapter five and then look at it a little bit within the context of the whole chapter as we look at finding our hope and finding our confidence in Jesus. So in Romans chapter five and verse one and two, he says, therefore, again, based on Abraham and faith and being made righteous by faith, all that. Therefore, since we've been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we've gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we boast in the hope of the glory of God. So let's stop right there for a second. Verse 2 carries a lot of weight for us. Verse 2 carries a lot of weight for the Christians in the early church. But verse 2 especially carried a lot of weight for the Jews in the early church. Paul says that through our faith in Jesus, that we've gained access into God's grace in which we now stand. Because before Christ died, access to God was almost impossible. You had to be a priest, which meant you had to be a certain line of, of family. It had to be your special year to have access to God, you had to be considered clean in very certain and very specific ways to enter the part of the temple where God's presence was. And even then, it was completely up to God whether he would let you have access or he would just strike you dead. Even then, it was up to God to give you, who, again, give you, who was very specific person, very specific time, specific lineage, specific lifestyle, God giving you the grace to allow you to be in his presence. But Paul is saying that God's given you full access to God. That you have full access. That you've been given the VIP lanyard and you can go in and meet the band. That, that you have full access and grace to stand in the presence of God himself. And so I just, I just stop and think about that for a second. Don't take that too lightly. We can gloss over that. That on Sunday morning, that we have the opportunity to come together as a group and enter into the presence 
of God, that we have access to God. Something that before Jesus wasn't even a thought in people's minds because it was impossible to happen. But beyond that, it's not just something that happens on Sunday morning. Every single time you pray, you have access to the creator of the universe. You have full access to come right up to the throne of God and speak what's on your heart. You have full access. Don't take that lightly. Anytime you pray, where the Bible says where two or three are gathered, I'm there with them. That he comes to you. We have full access to relationship with God. So as unstable as things are in the world today, as unstable as things may be in your life today, with as much struggle and as much difficulty as it is to find balance, you, through Jesus, still have access to God himself. It doesn't matter how crazy, nutty, weird things get you still have access to God. Think about that for a second. Things have been so weird this year. You know, eight months ago, if, if any of you had come into service wearing a mask, looking like a train robber who is about to hold up my train, like we probably would have called the police or, or, you know, if we knew you'd been like, what is going on? Now, like, we're all wearing masks. We have, you know, we're supposed to, we have to when we're in public. That's the thing to do now. It's the cool thing to do. We're the cool kids. You know, it's so weird. You know, and, and, Talking to lots of people, it's been a crazy year for, on, for people on a personal level. Such a crazy, wild year. And for as crazy as it is, and it could get crazier and crazier and weirder and weirder, and it probably will, because election season's coming, and that's when all the weird stuff starts to happen. Uh, for as weird as things are, and as weird as things could end up getting, we still have access to God. Nothing's going to change that. We can still go into God's presence. And so that should give us confidence and hope. And that's why Paul said we boast. We brag about the fact that we have the hope of experiencing God's glory. Everything else around us can be hopeless, but I can still have being, be you know, just complete and utter ruins, but I still have the hope of, hey, anytime I say, dear father, I'm in the presence of, of the glory of God. We have that hope. We can boast about that hope. As, as bad, as crazy as things get, I can still go right into the presence of God. I still have that access, no matter what. So, I'm confident. He's saying, look, we're confident in this. 
We are confident in God. But then in verse three and four, he says, and not only that, he says, but we also, this is, this is New King James, I think it's NIV, so he says, not only so, not only that, but we also glory in our suffering because we know that suffering produces perseverance and perseverance, character, and character, hope. Now, th that verse, we come back to that verse a lot in Christian circles. We like to put that on things to hang on the wall and, and you know, say to, to each other, perseverance, character, character, hope. But I want you to fully understand at least a little bit more of what he's saying here. He said, look, we boast about this hope that we have in the glory of God. That com things can go completely bad, but we still have access to God, so that's something we boast about and have confidence in, and, and, and we can brag about that because that's something worth bragging about. But he says, but not only that, we rejoice in our suffering. And you might say, like, well, wait a second. Like, why would I rejoice in my suffering? That doesn't make any sense. Like, why would I, like, should I be like, yay, I just lost my job. Woo. You know? Uh, yippee, I just got a bad diagnosis. Great. No, uh, that's not what he's talking about. It's not that we're bragging about these things. It's not like we're saying, yeah, well, you got a new car. Well, guess what I got? I just got laid off. That's great. No. See, they changed the wording up in the translation a little bit to make it read a little easier. But Paul uses the exact same word when he says we rejoice in our suffering, he uses the exact same word as when he says we boast about the hope we have in the glory of Christ. That we boast about our suffering. That we boast about our hard times. That that's something that, that we are, we brag about. Well, guess what? I get to have hard times. He says, we boast about our hope in the glory of God and we have the same exact confidence and we brag just as much when we suffer. But why do we have this confidence? Why do we boast? He says, we know that suffering and trials and tribulation produce perseverance or endurance. That when you go through hard things in your past, it gives you hope that if you've gone through hard things before, that you'll make it through whatever this is. It produces this toughness. It produces this faith. Because you know that if God got you through then, that God would get you through again. And it strengthens you. I'm sure if we went around the room or, or asked, took a poll online and said, how many of you are tougher today or better equipped for hard times today because of the hard times and hard things that you've been through before? I think you'd have a lot of hands go up. 
and say, you know what, I'm kind of thankful that I went through that, you know, five years ago because now I'm better equipped to handle this now. You're tough. Your faith is a little stronger. But there's a little bit more to it than you might see. The Greek word, the translation, we're going to talk a lot about Greek translation, but I'm telling you it's going to be the most exciting thing ever. The Greek word that's translated as endurance or perseverance, it can also be translated as patience. And in fact, it might say patience in some of your Bibles. That our hard times help produce in us patience. That our tribulations help us to learn to be patient. Parents, you know this. Children will help you. Hard times with your children will help you learn to become patient. I thought I was a pretty patient person until I had kids. And then God said, you got a long way to go, buddy. But patience, that's something we've all had to learn this year, isn't it? I mean, you know, shoot, back in February, March, we were just kind of joking about it. And then March, we were like, well, you know, hopefully by, and, you know, starting to make plans for May and June. And now, like, we're still waiting. Patience is something we've all had to learn and are learning. And, you know, we always say that we would like to be more patient. Maybe that's one of the reasons why Paul says rejoice. Rejoice when things get bad. Because that's how you learn patience. You learn to say, well, it is what it is. So I guess we just wait it out. I mean, that's kind of where we're all at right now. Well, it is what it is, so I guess we just wait until it is what it isn't, or isn't what it is. It's really probably better translated as patient endurance. Because I can endure things, but not be patient about it. I can endure things, but be complaining and and throwing a fit, and I mean... You've been in line with people. There's endurance, and then there's patient endurance. That that suffering and tribulations and hard times, it produces patient endurance. And, And I don't know about you, but I've seen a lot of impatience lately. Even, yes, I know it's hard to believe, but even in Christians, I've seen impatience. How's your patience been growing lately? He says, we boast about our hard times because we know that they produce patient endurance. And what does that patient endurance produce? Character. 
good qualities of being a person. That learning patient endurance really makes you into a better person. But character, that word in the Greek is loaded with meaning too. That Greek word, it also means experience. That you, you're a, a more experienced, well-rounded person. The more you're patient, the more you're going to experience things. It, it means one that's been proved, one that's been tested, one that's been on the proving ground and stuck through it and made it through. It makes me think of, of basic training that people go through. That you got to be patient and endure it. But that when you've done that, when you've, when you've been on the proving ground and made it through, you get the stamp of approval. That's what character, that's the picture that he's making with this idea of character, that you've been proven. The same exact word that he uses here for character is the one he uses when he writes to Timothy in 2 Timothy 2.15 and he says, do your best to present yourself to God as one approved. It's the same exact word he uses for character as he does one approved. To do your best to present yourself as one as character or that, that patient endurance produces being one approved of by God. Present yourself as one who's been tested, a person with character, as one with experience. And Paul says that one of the ways that you become a person of character is go through hard times. Someone who has character has gone through hard times. You want to become a person of character? Become a person of patience and endurance. So he says, we boast, about, we boast during our hard times because we know that patient, patience and endurance produces experiences that put us on the proving ground in order for us to become one approved, a person of character. Perseverance, character, character, hope. Hope, that elusive thing that everybody is trying to find today and having a hard time doing. I wonder, could it be that the reason that we're having such a hard time finding hope is because we've become a people who are more and more used to having everything right now. We can't find hope because we're just so impatient. And because we're so impatient, we aren't experienced because we don't want to experience anything. We just want the answer. We aren't experienced, we're not tested, we're not approved, and we're lacking character. See, the world doesn't really think of hope as being a byproduct of patience. But if you think about it for a minute, it kind of makes sense. God knew, anyway, 
it's biblical that patience and perseverance will help you be hopeful. I just wonder if living in such an instant society is the reason that we live in such a hopeless society. Because see, if I can't see the answer now, then I guess there's just not an answer. I mean, if I need an answer now, I just go to Google and I, I say, hey Google, and then my phone comes on and then it says, hey, how can I help? And then I ask my question and then it gives me the answer. We live in an instant society. If we want our food heated up, the way to get it the fastest is use the microwave. It's more instant. We have instant potatoes and instant rice. All the things that you used to have to take the time to do, now you can have instantly. We, we, we live in an instant culture. We have instant messaging. We, we, it's just, that's the culture we live in. And so when things aren't instant because we've learned and we've been, we, we've, we've become sort of just accustomed to having everything instantly, we, it's made us more impatient. And I wonder if one of the reasons that we live in such a hopeless society is because we live in such an instant society. And God said the way to get to hope is patience, that patience makes us people of character that, give, that gives us hope. And if I can't get an answer now, then I guess there's just not an answer. And if there's no answer to these problems, then what hope is there? But even hope in this passage, the Greek word that hope is translated from, it has an interesting connotation. The word that's translated as hope is taken from the root word that is also the word for confidence. So go back to what he said in the very beginning. We brag about, we boast about our tribulations. Bragging and boasting, that's something you do when you're confident. It's usually probably not a good thing because it's self-confidence. And I always screw things up. I don't know about you. But this is confidence in God who never fails. And so, why can we boast? Why can we brag when hard times come our way? Why can we say, you know, man, man this situation, it's just destroying me. It's kicking my butt. But I'm not worried. It's not going to break me. Why? Because I'm confident. Why am I confident? Because I've stuck it out and gone through the hard times before. I've suffered before, but God brought me through it. I've been patient when life was kicking my butt before, so I know I can be patient again. 
I've experienced hard times before. I've been on the proving ground before and God's brought me through it before. I can wait it out now. I have patience and perseverance. If God brought me through before, then I have the experience to know he'll do it again and I'll trust him. That's character. So I'm not worried now. I've got this because God's got this. Confidence. Perseverance, character, character, hope, character, confidence. I'm not worried. It, it, there's one thing to have hope, but the, it, it's a little bit more to be confident. To have confident hope. That's not just saying like, well, I'm pretty sure and I'm really hoping that this works. It's confident hope. Like I have confident hope. If I sit on this bench, I'm not going to fall down. I have confident hope. Now, if I went out and just built a bench out of some of the pallets we had around the corner with a couple nails, I'd have hope Cross everything, hope. But I wouldn't have confident hope. You can have confident hope that God will bring you through whatever tribulation, whatever trial, whatever suffering, whatever weird, crazy thing the world, life, sinful brokenness throws your way. In a world that is unstable, you can be stable. In a world that is shaking, you can be confident. In a time where we're all trying to find our balance, maybe what we should be looking for is patience. Because patience will help us become a worker approved of by God, a person confident in the hope that we have. We boast. We have confidence because we have access to God and his glory, taking us back to where we started. We boast, we have confidence, because one, we have access to the glory of God, and two, we boast and have confidence even when times are tough, because we know that tough times teach us patience, and tough times teach us to endure, and that that builds character, it builds experience, it makes us stronger to God-approved people, and all that does is make us more hopeful. All that does is make us more confident. So the more bad things that come our way, if we're following Christ, it, all, all the bad things do is just make us even more confident. So you throw some more bad things at me, 2020 gets weirder and worse, great, bring it on, because that's just gonna make me more confident and more proud that I serve a God who's got it. And, and so, devil, if you want to just keep bringing it, bring it on. Because it's just going to help me be more hopeful, more confident, stronger. Because if you keep bringing it, we're going to keep standing in it. Confident, not in ourselves, but in the God that we have access to. And we know that no matter what, no matter what, if we stand in the confident hope 
of the God that we serve, if we do that, we're not going to be put to shame. What does he say? In verse 5, he says, And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out to our hearts through the Holy Spirit. I think that there's going to be a lot of Christians that are going to fall away this year. That this year will be the end of a lot of people's church attendance. That it'll be the year that really people, they still have faith in God, but they really stop following. I think this is going to be the year that the devil breaks a lot of people. Because they'll stop being patient with God. And they'll stop being patient with life and everything going on. And they'll stop being patient with each other. And they'll just walk away. And they won't gain the experience of endurance. And they'll fall away. And as they do that, their confidence in God and their confidence in life and their confidence and hope and all that other stuff will shake more and more and more because they're not being patient and persevering and and their character is not growing and their, their Christian life will shake more and more and more and eventually they'll just fall away. I'm not happy about it but I think it's happening and probably going to happen more. But there are some of us. There are some of us, some of you, that will come out of the year more patient than you've ever been before. That will come out of this year able to endure more, being people that will have been proven and refined in the fire of 2020, and you'll be more confident than ever. You'll have more hope than ever. Now, I can tell you this world is going to come out of 2020, most of it, with less hope than they've ever had. They're gonna get to the end of 2020 and they're not gonna have, they're they're gonna have less hope than they've ever had in their entire life. This world is gonna shake. But you, like Paul always says, are different. You'll come out of 2020 more patient, with more endurance, being people proven in the fire of 2020 and will come out with more hope and more confidence than ever before. So the question is, which one are you going to be? 
one that shakes to the point of falling down and falling away, or one that stands up stronger with more confidence and more hope than ever before. Go back to Romans 5.5. 5. He says, our hope, our confidence does not put us to shame. It's not a pride goes before a fall type thing. It's not that kind of confidence. Our confidence does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. That our, The Holy Spirit is proof. The Holy Spirit is a deposit, like Paul says, that that we have that, so and we ha- and because we have the Holy Spirit, we know that we're not going to be put to shame in this, because we know that God's love in- is in us, in our hearts, through the Holy Spirit that's been given to us. Through Him, we know. And now, th- now put all of this, these couple of verses that we've been looking at, put it in the whole context of what everything that we read in in Romans chapter five. Through Him, through the Holy Spirit, we know that Christ died for us while we were still sinners. Through Him, we know that we've been justified by His blood. Through him, we know that we've been saved from God's wrath. We've been justified, reconciled, gifted with God's grace, made righteous, living eternally through Christ Jesus our Lord. So yeah, go ahead, bring it on. Because we're justified, we're all of those things. And if we know that, then we've got confidence. So bring it on. I will boast. Because... Even though I don't always have my balance, I always have a solid rock to put my foot on. And I am confident that my rock ain't gonna shake. That's the hope I have. That's the hope we have. So let's show them some confidence for a change. Nobody has confidence right now. But we have confidence in Christ Jesus. So let's go show the world that we have confidence in all of this. Let's show them our patience right now in a world that has absolutely no patience for anything. Let's go show them our patience. Let's show them what character looks like. Let's give them hope. We have it, so let's share it. Let's give them hope as we confidently point to our Savior that gives us confidence and living hope. As we confidently point to heaven and say, it is Jesus. Our hope, our confidence is in Jesus' name. And you can have it too, world. In Jesus' name. Amen.